0: C'est vrai. Je suis un
1: now, in the uh, towers of. Uh, Edmonton. I'm not a I don't speak on both sides. I do not use
0: crack cocaine, nor am I an addict of crack cocaine. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Fat French and Fabulous. My name is Jessica.
1: Oh, we're very formal, and my name is Janelle.
0: Uh, Enchanté de faire votre connaissance.
1: I was gonna say, are we a language learning podcast this this week, or? (laughs) My name is this. I would like to turn left. Where is my hotel?
0: If we are ever educational, it is purely accidental.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's just to lure you in.
0: Our topic today is uh, John Churchill. No relation to Winston. Uh, A quiet, unassuming man who... Through his wartime military service, acquired the nickname Mad Jack.
1: Oh, that's fun. I like that you addressed my first question immediately, which is, like, is this Winston Churchill's, like, not often talked about younger brother? But apparently not.
0: No relation. Although I do believe there was a Jack Churchill in Winston Churchill's family, it's just not this guy. Uh, Churchill was a British citizen born in Hong Kong, then a colonial possession of the Empire on September 16th, 1906, meaning that he and I share a birthday.
1: Oh, that's good. (laughs) I like that we've given more information that people can use to steal your identity
0: on the podcast. (laughs) Vital. If we could just get your
1: mother's maiden name...
0: Uh, I was I was born on September 16th, 1996. Sorry,
1: 1906. I was um, like, wait, both of those sound wrong. I'm no mathematician, <laughs> but my fingers say that's funny.
0: <laughs> Churchill nonetheless spent some of his childhood in Oxfordshire, England, after his father took early retirement from his position as Assistant Director of Public Works, Hong Kong, for medical reasons.
1: I feel like you have to just take on, like, the snobbiest upper-class British accent. When you move to Oxfordshire.
0: I don't actually n- exactly know how British people would consider that accent, but yes. Uh, was- <laughs>
1: well, since when do we care what the British think? That's a- we haven't cared about yeah. that since 1867.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure we still cared what the British thought, even after they abandoned us to the woods. <laughs> mother, no!
1: Come back! <laughs> Please, mummy. Don't
0: leave me here, mother. Don't. <laughs> That's bad and terrible things.
1: Canada declared its independence in a much different way than the United <laughs> States. The United States declared its independence. Canada was pushed out of the nest.
0: Yeah, we were declared excessively expensive. Like a 32-year-old st- like kid like still living went went home. in his parents' ba- basement. Fly, yeah. little
1: country, fly.
0: <laughs> yeah, we st- we've got a garage band and, you know, I think we're going to make it big one day. <laughs> We've had three drummers since last Wednesday. <laughs>
1: <laughs> then they stopped feeding us cheese and we left. Do you remember those commercials? It was mm. this, this was a Canadian ad campaign that was on for years. I don't know who thought of it or who thought it was a good idea. But it was, a, it was a campaign for Canadian dairy. And it was like, do you want your kids to move out? Stop feeding them cheese. That was the whole commercial.
0: Yeah, that was the whole concept. Like, <laughs> admittedly, the government did have a huge unintentional cheese surplus.
1: God, we're from a weird country. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just... I mean, America has entire cheese caves.
1: Oh, the, good. Caves full of cheese. Who needs, who needs your children to move out when you have cheese caves?
0: Yeah, honestly, you gotta keep them in just so we have more place to put the cheese. <laughs> this is a weird time to be alive. Churchill was christened John Malcolm Thorpe Fleming Churchill, which is too many names, uh, so he instead preferred simply Jack. He and both of his brothers would eventually join the British military. Jack the eldest, graduated from the Royal Military College at Sandhurst and joined the army in 1926, accepted into the Manchester Infantry Regiment, posted to Rangoon, Burma. Tom, the second child, did likewise, joining his brother's regiment in 1927. Buster, the youngest, actually born Robert Alec Farquhar.
1: I was gonna say, there's no way his name's Buster. I don't have that kind of luck.
0: He instead joined the air wing of the Navy. Oh, Rebel. Tom Churchill eventually reached the rank of Major General before he retired, and Robert Churchill died in 1942 off the coast of Malta during the strategically vital Operation Pedestal.
1: The only thing I know about the rank of Major General is that you get a lot of information, (laughs) vegetable, animal, and mineral. Which is a joke (laughs) that's only funny if you were an uncool band nerd in high school and other people beat you up for liking Gilbert and Sullivan. That's
0: There's nothing more rock and roll than liking Gilbert and Sullivan.
1: If you hear the words Major General and you're just like... (laughs) You are intimately familiar with toilet swirlies.
0: (laughs) Jack's military career, on the other hand, was a tad more unusual. From early days, Jack Churchill had a notable bent to the eccentric. Despite the unreliability of roads and infrastructure in rural Burma, he frequently traveled cross-country by motorcycle, even over hundreds of miles of terrain, following the railroad tracks where no roads existed. One trip, essentially traversing the Indian subcontinent, Churchill ran into a spot of trouble in the form of an encounter of some sort with a water buffalo— what I is was an encounter of what some exactly sort? Was meant by that? What? What? <laughs> that's
1: not that's not a sentence you can leave hanging on its own. I had an encounter no. with a water buffalo, and then you just don't no. finish that sentence. No.
0: In violent question mark? Did you hit it? So you could... should be
1: imprisoned at the Hague for war crimes for not telling that story in its entirety. Honestly,
0: don't just yada 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 the water buffalo.
1: Also, I take it this is like one of the few times in history where they describe someone as eccentric when they don't mean gay. They really just mean eccentric. Yeah. They or do they mean weird. gay? They Oh, they just meant weird.
0: They just meant weird in this case.
1: Not he's got an, he's got a suspiciously close male roommate. He's a little he's a little eccentric. No. No, he's just No, he had a little He's just white. a he's a strange dude who maybe fucks water buffalo. <laughs>
0: That's the, really the only insinuation I could find.
1: That's the only definition of eccentric I will accept from now on, by the way. May or may not fuck water <laughs> buffalo. That's it.
0: Yeah. Anytime someone tell you, tells you someone is a fruity chap or a, an eccentric fellow, you're just gonna wink at them knowing lingo. oh yeah, I know, and then make a mooing sound.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna get punched in the <laughs> mouth the first time someone thinks that's a comment about their wife. But until then, it will be very funny, and then I'm like, no, 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 it's not a cow noise, it's a water buffalo noise. Then I'm gonna get a toilet swirly for being a huge goddamn nerd.
0: Oh, your life will come come full circle.
1: If I could have fit in a high school locker, I would have spent a lot of time in there.
0: (laughs) As is, they would have had to use a (laughs) shoehorn.
1: Thank you, Jessica, now you're bullying me. (laughs) We didn't even go to the same high school or know each other in the year 2009, but you're like, nope, I won't let that stand in my way.
0: <laughs> Admittedly, I was probably quite a bit heavier than you at the time. <laughs> uh, when seconded to the Cameron Highlanders, a Scottish regiment, Churchill picked up the bagpipes, studying under the regiment's pipe major.
1: Hmm. That's what a beautiful instrument.
0: He later apparently spent some small time busking in Paris, uh, where self-reported he they mostly paid him to go away.
1: (laughs) I was just gonna make that joke. He stole my punchline (laughs) a hundred years later. (laughs) Damn it!
0: Just from the grave. Oh,
1: ripped it out from under me a hundred years later, Jack. You bastard.
0: Churchill served in the British Empire's suppression of the Saya San Rebellion of 1930 32, a large popular revolt that the British government attributed to the excitable and superstitious nature of the Burmese peasantry, who remained ignorant despite a high standard of literacy.
1: So, this is they won't let us oppress them, where?
0: Less overtly bigoted assessments, however, point to both anti-colonial political sentiments, Burmese nationalism, major economic disparities between the rich and poor, and a collapse of rice exports due to the onset of the Great Depression.
1: I hate it when all those things happen at once and also you're brown. Yeah, whoops. Whoops. Stop trying to think for yourselves, Burmese people. That'll show you.
0: Churchill returned to England in 1932, though he remained with the military. His behavior became noticeably anti-conformist in peacetime, perhaps due to boredom. Uh, one day, he attended military parade with an umbrella, and when the battalion adjunct asked for an explanation, Churchill responded simply, because it's raining, sir. Uh, <laughs> Who? I know. <laughs> the fuck you That's think? That's eccentric it's... in the military.
1: Having an umbrella when it's raining. What a rebel without a cause.
0: He, he could have been in the sex pistols if he'd only been born in a later time.
1: I was gonna say, he's uh, an early James Dean.
0: He likewise intentionally studied the wrong preset campaign before his promotion exam. A promotion wow. which he Surprise, surprise, did not receive.
1: Haha, ha, I studied the wrong material. I mean, I still spent hours on this, but it was the wrong material. Somehow... <laughs> You're the one who's an idiot in this situation. Not me. I stuck it to the man.
0: Yeah, what are you trying to prove here, sir?
1: (laughs) That I can't read.
0: (laughs) Can you just imagine answering that when people are like, hey, how the hell did you fuck up this extremely easy examination that we gave you full ability to prepare for? And you're just like, well, sir, I'm illiterate. (laughs)
1: What up, I'm Jared, I'm 19, and I never fucking learned how to read. Yes. (laughs) The original Vine.
0: He's just doing it for the Vine, you know? Just doing it for the Vine. In 1936, Churchill resigned from the service. Among other things, he took up a position as an editor at a Nairobi paper and did some modeling in magazines. Many accounts specify that he was a male model, but I'm unclear as to why.
1: (laughs) No, he's a water buffalo. Mo- have we considered that he may have been a water buffalo the whole time? Like maybe, <laughs> maybe the mysterious encounter he had was the water bu- with the water buffalo. Was that the water buffalo killed him and assumed his identity? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would explain so much. It is. It is. And I. As, a, a, it w- it <laughs> would raise more questions than it answered, but it would answer a lot of questions. <laughs> it would. I am
1: a human male model. Yes. Look no, look no and further. Like,
0: That's oddly specific. We'll just say male.
1: I have the glossiest horns of any <laughs> male model. Hire me.
0: My response to that was just like, "What was? Do you want me to be extra sure that he wasn't like strutting down the catwalk in lingerie?" I assumed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I could see it. Oh, now I can't help but see it. Oh no. <laughs>
0: Um, I'm just imagining a water buffalo in Roger, I am too, so that's the problem.
1: <laughs> it's, I am, that's the exact thing I'm picturing. God damn it. We can't be friends Sleek anymore.
0: horns with little tassels on them that swing the Oh,
1: no, it's so <laughs> vivid.
0: Churchill likewise spent his break from the military, from military life sharpening his bagpipe skills and taking up archery. In 1938, he placed second in the officers' class of a bagpiping competition as the only Englishman competing, which was some some. There was some amount of scandal about that. uh, No, over how much Scotsman he proper Scotsman he beat out. Uh, He likewise represented Britain at the World Archery Championship in Oslo, Norway, in 1939.
1: I'm just picturing the scene from Robin Hood with a shoot for Maid Marian's hand. That's the only British sporting event I can really picture
0: is surprisingly apt considering his skills got him work as an extra in several films, notably as a bagpiper in 1938's The Drum, a rower in A Yank at Oxford, and an archer in The Thief of Baghdad.
1: This man is fascinating.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's had like eight careers all the time. He just took a short break off from being in the military. (laughs) He's just like,
1: well, I'm bored of this. Time to go be a movie bagpiper, which is not a job that existed (laughs) Until I said so. Ever? Yeah, He's ever. Just, Nobody wants bagpipers. No, he
0: just, he had an absurd number of strange anachronistic talents. <laughs> Same. I, I feel. <laughs> In late 1939, as war with Germany seemed inevitable, Churchill rejoined the army and his old regiment. At this point, you might be wondering why we're even talking about Jack Churchill. Regulars of our little program will know that we don't really do deep dives on perfectly nice, if somewhat eccentric, career soldiers slash male models. And no. That's because when Jack Churchill shipped off to France, he brought his bagpipes and his longbowl with him, alongside a literal broadsword. Specifically, <laughs> a Scottish-style basket-hilt clay bag.
1: Airport security is just, it really has come a long way.
0: Yeah, also airports.
1: <laughs> I mean that too. Back in the day you're shipping out and it's <laughs> like is that a sword? You're like no, which honestly is actually pretty much security if you get on a Greyhound bus to this day.
0: Oh yeah, like
1: <laughs> is that a is that a machete? No.
0: They're like pinky promise and you're like okay. But then you have like your fingers crossed behind your back, so it's like it's whatever, you know.
1: Oh, Greyhound buses in Canada. I've never taken one in the United States, so maybe they're better. But Greyhound it's buses very in Canada—it's
0: just we had a literal beheading.
1: <laughs> we did. We had a beheading on a Greyhound bus, but it's—it's it's just nothing but concealed weapons and people in assless pajama bottoms. That's it.
0: If you want to like really understand the lumpen proletariat, if you want to know <laughs> what like the absolute dregs of society look like, just take like a late night greyhound anywhere. Edmonton to
1: Calgary. That's a route.
0: You're gonna see a lot of twitchy people with face sores. That
1: was- that- yes. I- wow. I- I took a greyhound from Edmonton to Jasper, which- or to Banff. To Banff, which is quite a hike. And the dude in front of me had, like, he was wearing pajama bottoms with no underwear. And the reason that I know this is because the entire butt part of the pajamas had been- Apparently ripped out by a bear or something. It was just, <laughs> <laughs> it was just completely He'd gone. Taken and he... them
0: off a corpse, or what? What was left of it? He pulled them out of some bear scat. Like what?
1: There's just a big gaping hole and uh, with ragged edges. Like that man fought something and lived. He went through. He went through an experience, and those are his trophy. But he <laughs> needed a cigarette at every single stop from Edmonton to Banff, which there's lots. And he decided he needed to have a cigarette facing away. From the bus, and I have never seen <laughs> so much of a person's butthole that I'm that I don't know. And you
0: hadn't even been properly introduced. <laughs> I don't
1: know his first name, but I can tell you what both of his ass cheeks look like. All these years later,
0: <laughs> no, this is written into my frontal lobe. <laughs> when, when in general, asked Churchill about the reason for the sword. Uh, Churchill replied, In my opinion, sir, any officer who goes into action without his sword is improperly dressed. And you might be thinking, well, that's a rather quaint notion about military aesthetics for a World War II army captain, but there's no way he actually fought with a, a trained enemy in possession of mid 20th century rifles and machine guns with a sharp metal stick that peaked as a tool of war during the late medieval period.
1: He does if he wants to be on this podcast.
0: Absolutely, he does, because <laughs> Captain Jack Churchill of the Fourth Brigade led his men into battle like an anachronistic Highland warrior, playing the bagpipes to bolster their courage and demoralize the enemy, using a rifle for, for precision sh- for precision sniping and drawing his sword to engage at close quarters, and occasionally announcing <laughs> his presence to the enemy with a quick a quick arrow to a German chest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I gotta say though, I was born. I've lived a soft life in Canada and the United States since the early nineteen nineties. Uh, my greatest hardship in life is finding an escalator that's out of service. But if somebody played a bagpipe and held a broadsword aloft, I would stab the shit out of some Nazis. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a man I'm following into the peat of battle. I I, I want to kill something. To, I'm on I don't six sir. <laughs> <laughs> right into the melee with my, like, my asthmatic ass has never been pre- prepared.
1: <laughs> I don't know who you are, but I know that you must be protected at all costs.
0: I can barely breathe, but you you have an importance <laughs> to this world that is unparalleled in my experience. I need you to continue existing.
1: Yeah, it- at that point, you don't even care who wins the war. You're like, I just want Bagpipe Man to make it out alive. Like, that's yeah. It's my only priority here.
0: <laughs> I don't know whose side I'm on, but I'm on that man's side. <laughs> During the retreat to Dunkirk, an officer of Tom Churchill and an old friend of Jack saw Churchill puttering through the plains of Flanders on a small motorcycle with his bow tied to the frame and a German's officer cap hung from the headlight. To quote Churchill, Ah, hello Clark. Got anything to drink?
1: <laughs> Are you allowed to just do whatever the fuck you want in World War Two? Could you just ride your motorcycle <laughs> onto the... <laughs> Like, burr, burr. I, I understand it that the military is quite strict, but apparently back in the day, it was just B-Y-O-W, just bring your own weapon, and vehicle if you feel like it. Bring your dog, we don't
0: give a shit. Yeah, the military used to be far more of like, uh, you know, a, a, a business casual kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's the impression I'm getting.
1: Bring your mom, we don't care.
0: it's one of those things where like I think think military hierarchy is deeply impressed upon those who accept it but if you are weird enough they'll just roll their eyes and give up
1: cause like now they get pissed at you if you've got like a visible tattoo that you can't cover up with your sleeve like they've got they get weird about boot laces
0: heaven forbid you let leave your cuffs unstarched
1: You've got a rocket launcher and a llama? Like sure, I guess, you know.
0: Mm.
1: That's Appar- fine. Apparently
0: apparently back in the forties it was very much a, 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 a dicks out kind of occupation.
1: <laughs> I think all professions were just dicks out in the forties. That's just <laughs>
0: Oh <laughs> What a time. What a time ah. to be alive. I mean you had you had to prove you had one, right? That was that was your number one Every- qualification.
1: Every job is the papacy, you've just gotta prove you've got balls before they- Meat and two veg. I
0: hate that you know that saying. You, you gotta whip out your tackle if you want us to trust you. <laughs> you know, how are we supposed to be friends if I can't even see your dick? <laughs> Hearing you make
1: penis jokes is like having a three-year-old explain what an Eiffel Tower is to you in horrifying detail. <laughs> just having a three-year-old tell you, like, well, it's two men and a woman, and- She's got to be real flexible. Like. <laughs> no. Nope. Mm-mm. Mm-mm.
0: <laughs> Let's have it like a priest describing proper hand job technique. It's very upsetting. It, it's very
1: upsetting. <laughs> I feel like I should call Child Protective Services. You might be nearly 30, but I just... I'm uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> Churchill was, at the time of his, uh, his trip down Flanders, uh, slightly wounded, having been clipped by machine gun fire.
1: That's such a gentle way to say he got shot.
0: <laughs> apparently, he explained the situation as like, "Oh yeah, my men told me to run, but like I was really tired, so like you know, just got I shot. Just,
1: Whatever." Just got shot. It's fine. Just brushed past me like lovers in the night. Like it's, you I'm know, bleeding. It up, it's fine.
0: It <laughs> he apparently he used to refer to like a gunshot wound as a German kiss. Like you know, it's just fine. It's <laughs> fine.
1: Just a tender <laughs> caress from a bullet, like. <laughs>
0: Really, more of a warning shot to the torso. (laughs) Really a love tap. Yes, love taps
1: (laughs) from the Germans. All right.
0: In another incident, Churchill attempted to salvage a disabled British tank by strapping six trucks together and uh, ended up rescuing uh, a wounded officer for which he earned his first military cross.
1: They give awards for just strapping six trucks together like you're a looney tune? Absolutely. There's no rules in the military.
0: It was innovative, even if it didn't work. <laughs> I think it was more so the officer rescuing.
1: I was gonna say that was stupid, but you took the initiative to do it, so half partial <laughs> partial Good <creative>. on you.
0: <laughs> in, in the bar. British Army we do, in the Imperial Army we care less about results and more about effort. <laughs> We're like a Montessori school.
1: <laughs> I was just gonna make that goddamn joke.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. We're in sync <laughs> we <laughs> the same person. <laughs> Churchill was one of many men who arrived at Dunkirk in time for evacuation. Though I'm willing to wager that most of the others didn't show up riding a bicycle with a longbow hanging off of it, as Churchill apparently did.
1: <laughs> I bet they let you put on the boats faster. They're like, I want to pick up that guy.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. We cannot leave without him.
1: <laughs> we don't really need to explain what the Dunkirk evacuation is because... It's now a major blockbuster movie about six Absolutely. dudes hiding in a boat. I don't know.
0: Yeah, apparently it was depressing as fuck.
1: Yeah, well, I was incredibly high through the entire thing. I just know that one dude <laughs> pretends that he's British the entire movie and that he turns out to be a French dude who speaks no English. And then there's a boat. I don't know. That's all I really got out of it.
0: <laughs> That's not really a traditional stoner movie there, Janelle.
1: <laughs> I I was I knew it would be what, sad next? and I are don't you going to
0: read Dante's Inferno while 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 on methamphetamine? Like what? <laughs> I don't
1: cope well with feelings. <laughs>
0: what, are, what are you what are you thinking? Gonna go to the Louvre on MDMA? Spend all the ti- all your time trying to hump the Mona Lisa? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, just just set me up with Schindler's
1: List and some ecstasy and we'll make a weekend out of it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I bet it's less upsetting on, on Ecstasy, or maybe more. It depends on how you're trip I, is going. I on.
1: think you kind of want to be upset while you watch Schindler's List. If you hit the end and you're like, you're grinning, I think that makes you a monster.
0: Oh yeah, if you're if you're halfway through and you're like, I've never been more aroused in my life, you know, you should you need to input oh your lifestyle.
1: <laughs> if that's the case, I hope you are listening to this podcast from a therapist's waiting room. <laughs> <laughs> While you kill time before your appointment. Or,
0: after you're done listening to this podcast, turn it off and head to the therapist. (laughs) Or, considering you you might be on handheld, you know, just listen to it while you go. You know, make your
1: appointment. Disturbing.
0: We gotta get those downloads. I mean, it's it's at the risk of your mental health, but I think it's worth it. (laughs) (laughs) You're a monster. It is during the retreat that Churchill earned perhaps his strangest distinction as the only combatant to make a confirmed kill with a bow in all of World War II, and the last to do so in the history of conventional warfare. Really? Yep. Absolutely. That's such a a weird fucking thing to be known for. It's an extremely odd distinction. Bows are used to an extent nowadays, but it's almost exclusively in non-conventional warfare. Um...
1: It's just dudes uh, hunting deer. that's what the, that's what bows are for.
0: Yeah, in in modern militaries, use of bows and crossbows uh, is exclusive to special operations forces due to the bow's near silence, quieter than any suppressor would allow, and a well-aimed arrow's quicker fatality in comparison to a bullet from a light firearm.
1: Wait, so, so bows are too effective for war.
0: No! Uh, this is this is only... It's a balanced thing. So, like, they do take longer to fire. Um, they're less effective if you do not aim them dead onto a vitally important bit of uh, organ. Um, it's just that they're much quieter. They're man, much I, quieter, and you'll bleed out faster if you only have time for one shot.
1: Man, I had um, I totally ruled out military as a career track for myself, but I didn't know that crossbow sniper was a fucking option they don't put that in the commercials (laughs) god damn no one
0: ever said you know (laughs) back back when they were like showing me like those those smiling helicopters Who young people you know swinging out of helicopters and like getting an education you know they never said i could specialize in crossbow assassin
1: that would have changed a lot of things I might have been a tad more interested. No, it would. I this this podcast has pretty much ruled out me serving in any official government capacity.
0: It's strange that it hasn't done the same for me, but you know, it takes all sorts. <laughs> <laughs> the Canadian government uh, has a demographic problem. They very much do. They have too many old people. <laughs> Like, Are you On suggesting? On the one we... hand, you're a psychopath. On the other hand, you're only served <laughs> 30.
1: I was like, this is a strange segue. Are you proposing that we crossbow the elderly to thin their numbers?
0: Uh, no, but I'm glad you're taking the initiative. I think you deserve a military cross. <laughs> yes,
1: medal for me. Partial credit. <laughs>
0: Uh, The bow has a prominent place in human history, both military and civilizational, as a weapon and hunting tool that largely predates much of what we consider civilization. In particular, the longbow was an adaption of the traditional bendy stick with tough string model with a really, really big bendy (laughs) stick around the height of the archer undrawn. This kind of massive bow required far more strength than a regular bow, but likewise, star stores far more energy, rendering it capable of firing a two and a half foot splinter well over two hundred meters in the right hands.
1: It's just like the Jeep Grand Cherokee of bows, is that
0: what this is? Yeah, like the same but huge.
1: <laughs> just the Hummer of Bows. For people who need big thing because they have small penis.
0: <laughs> I mean, if I don't care if you're if your dick is like a negative integer if you can fire like a a child's broomstick the length of two football fields i'm impressed <laughs>
1: <laughs> you'll have sex with them is that where this is going if we finally absolutely not <laughs> unlock the secret to jessica's sexuality it's 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 crossbows it's always been crossbows yeah.
0: i mean i won't fuck the man but i will think about the crossbow late at night
1: this is a weird episode. Now, this is, this is, <laughs> no, 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 no! I'm not old I enough. I am in for strange
0: to be, form tonight.
1: I, I'm not old enough to be witnessing this.
0: <laughs> uh, it's just, you know, crossbows. They get me. They get me hot under the collar, Janelle.
1: <laughs> Every day you stray further from God's light.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I admire a man with a bendy stick and a string. <laughs>
1: There is no pride parade for whatever the fuck is going on with you.
0: (laughs) We just haven't been recognized. Because
1: nobody's proud
0: of it. (laughs) Nor should they be. (laughs) The oldest known longbow was found with Otzi, the Tyrolean Iceman, an over 5,000-year-old natural mummy found in the European Alps. But they reached the peak of their military use, at least in Europe, during English confrontation with the Scottish, Welsh, and French during the 13th and 14th centuries. In particular, English longbows were critical to the English strategy during the Hundred Years' War, from 1337 to 1453. Annoyingly, 116 years. To the point that, eventually, not a mature yew tree remained in the entire country.
1: Oh! Oh! Just drove drove you to extinction for a war with the wrong name.
0: <laughs> that has bothered me since childhood. <laughs> that has upset me. I
1: have no doubt that it like consumed for longer you.
0: Than I've understood calculus. I'm
1: I have no doubt that you have called out of school because you were upset about the length of the Hundred Years' War.
0: It's just it's nearly hundred and twenty. <laughs>
1: just round up. Just just round up. That's all yeah, I'm just saying. Round up. We It'd all do it upsetting. like it's a Canadian penny. You just, yeah. you know, just round up to the nearest
0: value that makes you happy. You're not even obeying the rules. <laughs> um, on October 25th, 1415, at the Battle of Agincourt, the English faced a vastly superior French force with a much smaller army composed overwhelmingly of archers. The result was a harsh loss and devastating casualties for the French side. In fact, the rise of the longbow led directly to the decline of the medieval knight, as while plate armor can easily stop a rain of arrows, a knight's mount hasn't a chance. It is much harder to armor a horse. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we don't really appreciate like how fast
1: technology has started to accelerate. Like, you know, 30 years ago we had like yes. audio cassettes and now I can like watch porn on a piece of glass that I carry around everywhere. But like... Mm-hmm. That's a huge technological acceleration, because for, like, 2,000 years, the biggest innovation was, like, small stick string make arrow go fly, big bendy stick make arrow go fly. Like, that was the biggest improvement we had.
0: Yeah, like, there's a long stretch of human history where very few fundamental changes happen over the course of one person's lifespan where you could generally expect where it's going so slowly that you're not even really noticing it where you can roughly expect that your child's life and your child's child's life will be roughly the same as yours it's a lot of
1: shitting in buckets (laughs) Like the
0: internet didn't exist for like the average consumer when I was a child but now it's fundamental to the economy
1: (laughs) it was like well we invented the plow that's exciting that pretty much does innovation for 300 years. We're set. That's good. It's going to make our children lazy. We don't like it.
0: But I think what's actually most important uh, about this, historical, uh, this stor- historical technological innovation is that it's not actually feminism that destroyed chivalry, as insofar as the ability to shish-kebab a horse from 200 yards away. The ability to absolutely destroy a beast of burden, from like a fields a fields distance, that was vital.
1: So next time you're on a date and a guy doesn't pull your chair out for you, you should go stab a horse. Is that
0: yeah? Is that dating now? The only one that's very far away.
1: What app is that? Is that I feel like that's a dating app, (laughs) or just like matches you with a person, but also the horse that you must stab if they disappoint you.
0: <laughs> Next time a guy calls you m'lady, lady, when you don't even really know him, Oof. just
1: take it out on livestock. Just, Understood.
0: Tur- th- th- just, just every time you're just like, well, the, the Elmer's factory will be, will be fed well tonight.
1: The two genders: chivalrous man and dead
0: horse. <laughs> <laughs> it's just. Feminism's really destroying destroying this country.
1: Goddamn. Kick a horse today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> as distance weapons became more powerful and accurate, use of mounted troops declined in favor of infantry. Horses became the primary domain of cavalry, scouts, messengers, and commanders, those positions that relied heavily on speed and mobility rather than brawling within the fray. This may come as a surprise, but it took a long time for firearms to replace bows and swords as the weapons of choice for great armies. The first true firearms were created in China in the 13th century and spread from there, but those were initially inaccurate, slow to reload, and unreliable, particularly in damp conditions. The true advantage of guns over bows was that while milita- a military bow could only be made out of very specific wood from a very, speci- from very specific trees by trained boyars, and an archer required extensive training and physical strength, a musket required no such artisanal tr- touch and could be comp- and could be competently operated with minimal training by any man's smart enough to figure out which end was which <laughs> guns therefore had largely replaced bows out of, as of the mid 17th century
1: first of all this is all very familiar to me and then it dawned on me that my entire knowledge of military history comes from the fact that i spent my entire childhood playing age of empires <laughs> <laughs> You're just you're just describing the technology tree from Age of Empires, which I guess is probably because that was based on history. Look at that, it was educational after all.
0: Yeah, if you're wondering what Age of Empires is, because you are less of a huge nerd than Janelle and or me, um, it's like civilization. It's a real-time strategy game. But for people who have even more free time. It's for kids who are
1: too pale to go outside so you stay indoors and you make fake knights kill each other. That's...
0: Yeah. <sighs> like, it is Age of Empires. granular to an extent that is as impressive as it is daunting and horrifying. It's a video
1: game where you pick which country you want to be and then you kill all the other countries. It's like and Risk it's... but it takes less than 17 hours.
0: Like it's, it's like a version of civilization that can double as a clinical test for autism. <laughs> That's what it is.
1: I I'm not enjoying your tone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I'm not I'm not judging you Janelle, I'm just saying welcome to the club.
1: <laughs> God damn it. But I know what cavalry are, so it was all worth
0: it. <laughs> it's almost educational, just like us. <laughs> As firearms became smaller, more reliable and easier to reload, they replaced swords and slowly dropped the use of bayonets. Mounted cavalry, notably, were some of the last units equipped with sabers as their primary melee weapon, both in the American Civil War and World War I. As firearms became more powerful and better at penetrating plate armor, that heavy plate armor was quickly dropped in favor of greater mobility, leaving us with the basic fighting kit of the average infantry soldier in World War II, give or take a trusty trench shovel.
1: I've gotta have my trench shovel or I'm not going.
0: They were specifically do- designed to be used as a knife and to beat somebody to death with.
1: Why don't I have one on me right now? That sounds incredibly don't useful. don't feel safe.
0: <laughs> I don't feel safe without my trench shovel. Honestly, The next
1: terrifying. time s- some dude hits on me on the subway at two in the morning, fetch my trench shovel.
0: Oh, next time Judas gets snippy about my roses, I'm coming at her.
1: <laughs> Are you gonna beat an old lady to death with a
0: shovel? I mean... It's the only true honor an old lady can have. If you're not beat to death with with a gardening implement over a undecorous spat with a neighbor, you can't get into Old Lady Valhalla. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jessica's just going to be the next Robert Picton. She's taken out members of local book clubs,
0: yeah, gardening, using gardening clubs, uh, using them as mulch. <laughs>
1: Jessica gets the whole community garden because she killed everybody else and gave them <laughs> Viking funerals on the Pacific. That's wonderful.
0: Just set them out on a pile of their own cookbooks into the Georgia Strait.
1: You truly yours is the only community garden that gives you your estimated chance of survival when you sign up.
0: <laughs> uh, once you once you step into the once you step into the garden, that's PvP zone. You prepare yourself.
1: <laughs> Welcome, Edith. You seem like a fighter. Mm.
0: (laughs) There is no law among the tomatoes. (laughs) They're
1: heirloom. Oh my... None of this is making any sense.
0: Dueling is still legal among the heirlooms.
1: (laughs) You need more parents and less free time. (laughs)
0: So, as I mentioned earlier, in modern militaries, the use of bows and crossbows is pretty much only the realm of special operations forces. It is perhaps unsurprising, then, that upon evacuation, Jack Churchill immediately signed up with a brand new special service organization within the British British Army, the Commandos. Created in direct response to the failure of the French campaign and the frenetic insanity of the German Blitzkrieg attack, the commandos were a force of small elite units intended to carry out hit-and-run coastal raids and guerrilla operations. Churchill, of course, didn't quite know what a commando was as recruiters were a tad vague on the topic but they were promising just the kind of intense action he was looking for so he wasn't terribly concerned about the details.
1: (laughs) I I can't tell you what to expect but it will be intense. (laughs) Is is this World War II or the boy who took my virginity? You tell me. (laughs)
0: Like, if that was the speech you were given before entering a a BDSM club, you should leave. You should not not sign anything they give you.
1: That's not consent. (laughs) It's an ambush run.
0: That is not legally binding, and it is not sufficient under the law. (laughs) Churchill's special operations training took place in Scotland, where he likewise met Rosamund Denny, who, fitting his love of all things Scottish, was soon to be his wife. Churchill took, took quickly to his training, developing a reputation as direct and plain spoken among his men, and annoying the piss out of all the inhabitants of the training camp's billet hotel whenever he chose to practice his pipes in the dead of night.
1: <laughs> it is two in the morning. The pipes call to me. <laughs>
0: Ah, uh, I look upon the Scottish Loch, and my f- heart fills with song. And people are like, "Shut the fuck up, <laughs> go to sleep." <laughs> You're just gonna have something else fill in your heart in a second.
1: <laughs> I had a friend learn bagpipes in high school. I lived twelve blocks from her, and I knew when she had lessons. This is not a quiet instrument.
0: No, this is an instrument like similar to the drum. Meant to be used in the field of battle. It is meant to be heard over the over Scottish gunfire. Highlands. Over <laughs> gunfire and the shouts of dying men for miles around. <laughs> you cannot quietly pay the pipes.
1: I think I'll practice while people sleep.
0: I'm busy in the daytime, so I have to find I have to find my moments where they come. 3 AM sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, when inspiration strikes... When the music hits you. On December 27th, 1941, the commandos performed a daring raid on the German garrison of on Norwegian Vasco Island. As the 3rd Commando Battalion made land, Mad Jack stood at the fore of the leading lander, announcing their arrival with the blare of his pipes as he played March of the Cameron Men. Upon the vessel striking shore, Churchill launched himself out of the boat chucked a grenade, drew his broadsword, and ran screaming at the enemy. As one does. As one does. And I'm just gonna say, if I was a German stroller, I would be instantly sitting in a pile of my own shit. <laughs> I was gonna say, the only cannon you're firing is
1: your asshole. <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, like, you know, you know, like, the smell of battle is also known as the smell of hot piss. <laughs> Mm. Like that's that's like the most ups- like you've seen you've seen your friends' brains on the outside at this point, and that's still the most upsetting thing that has happened all damn day. <laughs> 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 like that is vivid even in the horrors of war.
1: Uh, I'd go home. I'd be like, nope, I'm walking back to Germany. <laughs> fuck
0: all of you. I'm done. I'm done. I'm going home. This is enough. <laughs> Uh, Churchill and his command quickly took the German battery, killing or capturing all who manned it, or womaned it, as in the case of the two uh, camp followers captured by British commandos. Uh hmm. that's euphemism for prostitute.
1: Oh, <laughs> I thought this was gonna be like a rah-rah feminist moment, like the first women on the battlefield. Oh well, they no. were. No. They 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 too dealt with many swords.
0: <laughs>
1: many swords. You
0: know, They're used to people coming at them, you know, fully bared. This is
1: gross. This is a gross episode. Very few
0: grenades involved, usually, but, you know, that's extra. Fighting in the town of Malloy continued, the British forces there unhindered by the battery's gun. Uh, Churchill wound up slightly injured, not in the battle itself, but rather afterwards as the British prepared to leave. One story has it that Churchill had been standing too close to a friendly demolition blast and had been hit by the edge. Uh, of the explosion. Another has it that the demolitions man had thoughtlessly blew down a wall Churchill happened to be leaning against. Uh, Still another states that Churchill had been celebrating the successful raid with some liberated wine when the demolition went off, slashing his forehead with a shard of the bottle. In any case, he was little worth for wear, later joking, I had to touch it up from time to time with Rosamund's lipstick to keep the wounded hero story going. Uh, <laughs> Churchill likewise earned his second military cross for the engagement.
1: I want to go to a bar with this man.
0: Uh, he sounds fascinating. He, I bet a- he has good stories.
1: I'm angry that I'm not currently sitting across from this man at a bar watching him smear lipstick on his own forehead.
0: Yeah, I I, I just I want to be his best friend. <laughs> Forever. Or even just a hanger-on. I want to hear everything he has to say. <laughs> <laughs> I want to I want to be his apprentice in the (laughs) fine art of being an utter nutcase.
1: (laughs) Alright, get on the horse.
0: (laughs) The Vasco raid took out the German garrison, took around 100 prisoners, and sunk sunk some 15,000 tons of German shipping, and destroyed docks and warehouses, including fish oil factories vital to the Reich's supply of dietary supplements and ammunition production. Now... If you're anything like me, which, statistically, you are not, the words that catch your attention there are fish oil and ammunition production. Most combatant countries during World War II heavily rationed fats and oil due to constraints on production and the massive amount of resources taken up by the war effort, making any potential source of dietary fat extremely valuable for maintaining the health of citizens and soldiers. One of the reasons why a large military effort would so directly affect uh, butter production is because animal and plant fats are one of the primary sources of natural glycerin, an essential component of nitroglycerin. You know, mm. the explosive,
1: <laughs> or heart medicine. But yes, most mostly explosives.
0: This is particularly amusing if you are at all familiar with macroeconomics, which uses a famous mathematical model to express the trade-off between military spending and civilian goods, known as the guns versus butter model. The origin of the term is unclear, but likely dates from around World War I.
1: Guns versus butter.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say, I'm no expert, but i have in general, guns win. Usually. But it's basically just a way of expressing the idea that, like, eventually military production does start taking away and eating at, eating at civilian goods. Which is why most countries outside of the United States are reluctant to spend excessively on their militaries. Right. Mm. because then as they're democracies it tends to displease the general populace unless they are fully on board with the war engagement in question
1: i like to dig at the US not being a democracy that's as political as we've gotten in a while But uh,
0: <laughs> I didn't I also... say they weren't a democracy I just said they're excluded from the general consensus of democracies
1: I just really want to see a war that is just literal guns versus like people throwing tubs of landa butter.
0: Oh, just, <laughs> just people who are, like, wearing, like, a little Speedo and just, like, utterly greasy.
1: <laughs> yeah, just... Uh, just, like,
0: just, like, they're slippery if they get into melee range.
1: <laughs> fuck. <laughs> yes. That is exactly what I want.
0: <laughs> uh, glycerin is also a byproduct of sugar production. So, uh, oh. yeah. Next time you near fun. a sugar beet.
1: I like it. <laughs> I don't know that I'll win a war with sugar
0: beets, but you can't win a war without them.
1: Huh? Obviously, I'm, I'm going to lose the war against early onset diabetes, but uh...
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, more of a more of a valiant attempt to discover diabetes three than anything.
1: <laughs> I know there's a third type. If I just eat enough sugar cane and drink enough Sprite, I can get there. <laughs>
0: I want my place in history, that's all I'm saying. Medical history
1: is at the bottom of a bottle of Mountain Dew.
0: Beyond disrupting German production capacity, such raids forced the German armed forces to station even more critical troops along the remote Norwegian coast. In September 1943, Churchill earned the Distinguished Service Order during the Allied landings near Salerno, Italy. During a night attack on the town of Piedruleto, the heavy undergrowth made any possibility of silent advance impossible, so Churchill arranged his men into six parallel columns and ordered them to charge into the darkness, yelling, Commando! This minimized risk of friendly fire, while confusing enemy defenders, as in the darkness the shouting seemed to come from everywhere at once.
1: It's, a, it's an interesting strategy, but I respect it.
0: Yeah, it's the sort of thing a six-year-old would come up with, and at my, in my <laughs> heart of hearts i almost admire that
1: this man conducts warfare the same way that wily e. coyote pursues the roadrunner
0: <laughs> he has a certain he has a certain bugs buggy and kind of confidence to him
1: <laughs> it doesn't need to make sense or sound good he just needs to do it
0: yeah you're going to like this next bit incidentally Churchill, oh, alongside a corporal named Ruffel, Ruffle, or Raphael, I have no idea, uh, advanced <laughs> into the town of, ahead of his men. He and the corporal found themselves undiscovered, shrouded by darkness, in the midst of German soldiers dr- digging, t- digging trenches. They spotted the glow of a cigarette, tipping them off to the location of a nearby German sentry. Churchill slipped from the darkness, sword drawn, surprising the two sentries at their post with an order of Handachoch, hands up. He passed one prisoner off to Ruffle, then put the lanyard from his revolver revolver around the other guard's neck, forcing him to make his rounds. At each sentry post, the guards heard the voice of a trusted comrade, only to be confronted by a crazy Englishman with three feet of extremely persuasive Scottish steel. (laughs) In total, Churchill and the corporal captured 42 prisoners all of whom they forced to carry their own weapons after removing the bolts from the rifles and putting them in a bag. They likewise enlisted the prisoners in pushing a cart with five wounded men and carrying as many bombs as they could handle, as well as an entire mortar, which, for non-military nerds, is a siege weapon not entirely dissimilar to a cannon that shoots explosive shells in a parabolic arc, generally in order to provide artillery support from a distance." Again, though, this is cartoon they logic. They stole an entire canon.
1: This is... <laughs> it... Using a technique that's so ridiculous, I don't think they would let you write it into a movie. Like, no, I would accept <laughs> him building a Pacific Rim-styled giant mecha monster before I would accept him just marching a man around by the neck, making everybody give up their shit. What? what is that? The
0: absurdity of 42 confused Germans just taking orders from a single man with a broadsword it's like it, it boggles the mind and like it even says that in a lot of the documentation on him like if there were not actual historical books on the commandos that are just completely normal and then talk about Jack Churchill if he wasn't in all of those books I'd just be like okay well clearly this is entirely made up this and, is like, an urban of the legend, right? Most sources on him fully recognize this.
1: Like, if they're like, "Look, I know this up, sounds ridiculous.
0: <laughs> like, he sounds like a howling commando. He he sounds like a Marvel character. He genuinely does. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't
1: sound like a real person. He sounds like a fucking Johnny Appleseed story. He
0: sounds like a GI
1: Joe. He sounds like a story you invent." to convince people that American military efforts are worthwhile. Like, he's just...
0: He's an absurd human being who stole a cannon with a sword. Alongside 42 people! <laughs> I've seen those people who make trades on eBay for a living. That's a pretty good trade. Yeah, Except in this bad. case, he
1: gets to keep the sword and the cannon.
0: He's just... He's a hes a hell of a negotiator.
1: Everything's coming up Churchill.
0: In January 1944, Churchill was on assignment to the, to the Adriatic Sea, Raiding German garrisons along the Yugoslav, uh, alongside Yugoslav partisans down the Dalmatian coast, which yes is the name of is where the name of the dog comes from. Oh, uh, it's part of modern day Croatia. Uh. That's fun. Also, when you said that he was assigned to the sea, I just have this like vision
1: of him like charging around on the ocean floor, like sword out, just like <laughs> <laughs> ready to fight a goddamn submarine.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't too far off of that. Uh, his men often acted as boarding parties uh, and just, like, crawled up the side of, like, innocent merchant vessels. Just like, ahaha ha <laughs> I've got you now. <laughs> yeah, like, fucking 20th century pirates. Uh, the commandos, they, they they took command of Vis, the farthest island from the mainland. Uh, which became a base for the British Navy and Air Force to strike at all the other islands of the Adriatic that lay in German hands. In Hmm. May 1944, during a joint British and Yugoslav attack on the uh, the island of Brac, Churchill led his commandos and a contingent of partisans up one of three fortified hilltops, strewn in mines and wires and covered by artillery fire. Uh, The attack on Hmm. the primary German position was unsuccessful, but despite heavily casualties, the commandos managed to take their own assigned target, .622, only to find themselves isolated with just a handful of men to defend the hill against recapture. Six commandos, three of whom were wounded, armed only with revolvers, Churchill himself with an American carbine. Hmm. Eventually, Churchill stood alone, the only unwounded defender, with just a single magazine left to his carbine. And in that moment, he did what any sane person would do. He took up his bagpipes and played Will You Not Come Back Again until he was stunned by a fragment from a German grenade and ultimately captured.
1: <laughs> the fuck? They're just gonna... He just plays... Any sane person would have gone home
0: Yeah, or just now. laid down. Just
1: pretended to be dead. <laughs> <laughs> just don't be as conspicuous. He's just like, No, how could I be the biggest
0: target on this battlefield? Yeah, and Churchill's capture was somewhat inexplicable. In the sense that he was at this point a colonel and shouldn't have been there in the first place,
1: <laughs> he's just like, no, I must bagpipe for the m- the men need me. Yeah, without bagpipe, they cannot go on.
0: Yeah, I was I was reading in a in a one of my sources a book on the topic uh, on the commandos. Uh, they described him as uh, providing great a bit of humor in dark times with his eccentric charm. And giving giving the the top brass heart attacks because <laughs> you can, you could just imagine like
1: this is a horrifying war by by you know, every account this is an
0: awful you're just you're wet you're covered in mud your friends are dying you were walking through like, like brains
1: and guts yeah, and you're and walking
0: through dirt churned with human entrails At it, all you know it's
1: a puddle that used to be Jimmy you don't know if you're ever gonna make it home again. And then all of a sudden, this fucking lunatic just like (laughs) just goes like charging across the battlefield, bagpipe in one hand, fucking sword in the other. You're like, well, I guess I'll not kill myself. Like, I guess this is Mm. happening.
0: Like, I guess life really is worth living. That man just spit roasted a German with with an entire broadsword. So you know, I guess I'll carry on. Or maybe you're just like.
1: With any with any luck, I'll lose my fucking mind like that guy. There's not a chance he's lucid anymore.
0: Yeah, like he's got you no hope. idea it's what's like, happening. Maybe, maybe maybe by next week I'll be charging around the field with a weapon last seen in the time of siege warfare.
1: <laughs> by this time next week, I want to be on the battlefield naked and holding a baseball bat. I've got I've got hope. <laughs>
0: At this point, Hitler's commando order, that all allied commandos, irregular combatants, or otherwise inconvenient prisoners were to be executed immediately without trial, was in effect. Oh. It's a bit of a war crime. It very much is. (laughs) It's rude. At the very least, impolite. (laughs) (laughs) However, Churchill and his men were spared by Captain Turner, who saw the order as barbaric and unworthy of a soldier's honor the british were permitted to bury their fallen comrades and churchill was permitted to play the pipes one last time for their funeral after the war a note from churchill as character witness spared turner from being turned over to the russians for war crime prosecution oh they gave him a gave him a whole pass well, it, it it it's probably the fact that he was innocent, but the Russians were nonetheless asking for him, in fact. Oh. So, <laughs> uh, a character just, witness from a British c- colonel had some weight. I just like that you can get out of being prosecuted for war crimes the same way
1: you get into an MFA. You just gotta get someone to you know, write a quick, you quick you reference got, just letter. You got a friend
0: on the inside. <laughs> no, it's cool That's the lesson here.
1: That's the lesson here. Masters of Arts programs are exactly the same as The Hague.
0: (laughs) Churchill was flown to Sarajevo, then Berlin, apparently due to the mistaken understanding that he might be a relative of the British Prime Minister. Oh, the, the last name does come into effect. It does come in handy. Yes, I I
1: like it. I'm glad I'm not the only one who's like. There <laughs> yeah, can't be There's a lot of Germans who just like, wait
0: a second, Churchill? Like Churchill? Like, like Churchill? Churchill? Or just Churchill?
1: <laughs> you seem awfully valuable to be out here half naked with
0: bagpipes. During transport, uh, Churchill started a paper fire on one of the aircrafts, causing something of a kerfuffle. <laughs> Churchill claimed to the Luftwaffe that he had been innocently smoking and reading the paper, but I personally don't trust the odds of that for a second. <laughs> because it's
1: 1940, whatever the fuck, everybody smokes and reads the paper every fucking day without setting themselves on fire. This is something you've been doing since you started smoking cigarettes at the age of 7.
0: Oh, yeah. there's and, like you've there's been not drunk a chance. every time. <laughs> yeah,
1: you've you've been drunk smoking around flammable things since you could walk. Like there's it's like there's... riding a
0: bike at this point.
1: There's not a chance that no, was an it's, accident. It's, it's
0: great into your cerebellum. It's
1: like mm. an important motor skill. They won't let you pass kindergarten unless you can effectively smoke a cigarette over a newspaper. Mm. It's like how, you know, today they'll hold you back if you can't master scissors. It's, it's about <laughs> the same.
0: Churchill was eventually imprisoned in the fam- infamous Sachsenhausen concentration camp. However, he spent little time there. As in September 1944, he and an RAF officer escaped crawling under the barbed wire through an abandoned drain and setting out for the Baltic coast, over 200 kilometers away. The two were recaptured outside the coastal city of Rostock, only a short distance from from reaching the sea. Later, they would be moved to another concentration camp at uh, Niederdorf, Austria.
1: I do like a good Niederdorf.
0: I I like me a good Niederdorf, preferably with Worcestershire sauce. (laughs) Was it Worcestershire
1: Don't start this debate, we'll be here all night. One night, in April
0: 1945, Churchill escaped again, abandoning his assigned work detail after a failure in the camp's lighting system and disappearing into the darkness. He stayed off the roads, heading southwest towards Italy, sustaining himself by liberating vegetables from Austrian gardens.
1: Again that word, liberating. (laughs) You're Uh, free, carrots, into my mouth! (laughs) Quickly, (laughs) before the Germans find you.
0: Insofar as it belonged to the enemy, it's not stealing.
1: (laughs) It's liberating. I see. It's liberating. These potatoes have won their rights.
0: Liberating and and securing their right to be in my stomach. (laughs) (laughs) By the eighth day, Churchill was limping due to a sprained ankle, but he spotted and flagged down a column of armored vehicles marked with with the white star of the American army. Scruffy and quasi-incoherent, he nonetheless managed to convince them that he was indeed a British colonel, and they were kind enough to allow him to hitch a ride.
1: Because they're in so much fucking trouble if it turns out he's a real colonel and they left him there.
0: This may look like just a crazy homeless man in prison fatigues, but he has a very good <laughs> British accent and an excellent salute.
1: <laughs> he has all these free vegetables who owe him their gratitude.
0: <laughs> At this point, the war in Europe was winding down, and Churchill was decidedly disappointed to have missed out on the action. <laughs> oh, I wanted more war. This is like, oh, all the bloodshed's over? We're not tramping through the guts and entrails of our closest friends anymore? That's lame. I'm no uh, longer
1: a prisoner of war whose continued existence is dependent on a man's whims? Oh
0: he instead volunteered for the Asian front and shipped out to Burma to confront the Japanese, only to have his hopes dashed when the Americans deep-fried Hiroshima and Nagasaki and the Japanese surrendered.
1: This is a man who was disappointed by strange things.
0: This is not a man with his priorities in order. If you're struggling to cope with
1: Hiroshima because you wanted to be the one to fucking obliterate Japan, that's not good. That's, That's not... It's not a healthy priority.
0: <laughs> when you're mad at the two nuclear bombs for stealing your thunder, you need to take a rain check. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you need to go lie down. It's, it's too much.
0: Matt Jack wasn't done, however, and in 1946, he transferred to the Seaforth Highlanders and went to jump school, qualifying as a paratrooper at the sprightly age of 40. <laughs> oh.
1: I thought they had age limits on that that were not 40. Yeah.
0: I was also strongly under the impression that there was an age limit of some kind. But honestly, with this guy, he just walks up with his bagpipe and his longbow. I'm just letting him do it, you know?
1: Fine, jump <laughs> out of a fucking airplane and see if I'm gonna stop you. have
0: it your way.
1: If <clears throat> you break a hip, you break a hip.
0: Mm, that ain't on me.
1: <laughs> I like to imagine that he bagpiped all the way down.
0: Just like you look up into the sky because you hear a weird noise and you just see that shit.
1: <laughs> I would hand over my entire country.
0: Oh, absolutely! He just dropped on my head from a thousand feet up. You I give up. I give in. Bagpiping. Honestly, and you I doubt look anyone was sky. brave enough to tell him he couldn't go to jump school.
1: No, no. The band has a t- longbow and a scru- like a broadsword. You get to do whatever you want if you have a broadsword. That's the rules. Possession is nine tenths of the law, and the other tenth is broadsword. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Churchill took a short break to appear in a film, specifically a 20th century Fox production of Ivanhoe, again Ooh. starring Robert Taylor, where Churchill is this appeared man? as an archer. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. He is forty years no. old. He's been in combat for the last the last the last half decade. And he's like, Yeah, sure, I could pitch in for another film? What? What? You literally could not make a movie about this man because it would come across as absurd. No, oh, I wouldn't believe a
1: fucking word of it. I'd, I'd leave. It'd
0: have to be a Mel Blanc-style comedy.
1: Yeah, until they, like, pull the punchline at the end which is just like, haha, just kidding, this fucking lunatic did all this. And they <laughs> gave him He's medals. Real. They gave him
0: medals for it. They gave him so many medals, he got distinctions and awards. We were impressed. This man Just should have died so many times. <laughs> he, 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 there, he thereafter wound up in Mandatory Palestine as second in command to the 1st Battalion of the Highland Light Infantry. Um, uh, mandatory Palestine, incidentally, means that Britain had a mandate to administer affairs within Palestine for a set period of time from the League of Nations after the collapse and partitioning of the Ottoman Empire. It does not mean that Palestine was required.
1: I was going to say we can't open that debate, but the territory that was British, <laughs> it was known as British Palestine for the rest of the world and it's current day Israel. Yes. Just just to make yes. this more and, controversial, it's yes. it's Israel and Palestine. It all yeah. used to be Palestine. That's why all the, that's why everyone's so mad. That's me summing up the that's Israel-Palestine. Why is upset. That's the you know, Israel-Palestine people, crisis. People
0: will tell you that they have been fighting forever, but this particular conflict actually has its roots in the post-World War II British occupation of Palestine after the collapse of the Ottoman Empire. And obviously, we do not have time here to (laughs) fully explore the partitioning of the Ottoman Empire. The Great Arab Revolt, the British Mandate, the Western powers' decision to support the creation of a Jewish state, the end of the British Mandate, the Emirati of Transjordan, or the... Forty-seven to forty-eight civil war between Arab and Jewish nationalists within no. Mandatory Palestine. All you need to Let know.
1: Merely... All yeah. you need to know is that it all used to be big Palestine, and now it's little yeah. Palestine and big Israel, and people are big mad. That's all you need to know. That's it. Yeah. That's the whole crisis. We are
0: huge mad.
1: Palestine you know. became Israel and
0: Palestine,
1: and now big mad. That's <laughs> that's my take. I,
0: I, and and I am willing to take the position that warfare is a dick out occupation. I'm less willing to wade into this whole issue. I thought you were just going to take a
1: stance on Israel Palestine, and I just clenched every (laughs) part of my body.
0: Yeah. Let us merely say that it was complicated. Instead, (laughs) I will stick to explaining Jack Churchill's actions during the Civil War, which primarily involved evacuating civilians and limiting bloodshed. Yeah. Yeah.
1: In a in a part of the desert that people now fight over. It's it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Everything's
0: fine. It's fine. It's so fine. It's, it's fine. fine. It's fine. It's fine, you guys. It's fine. It's totally fine. Totally fine. It's so far from fine. It's not fine. No part of this uh, is fine. In May nineteen forty eight, as the British mandate was ending, a Jewish medical convoy was ambushed on a narrow Jerusalem street. Churchill had been at a battalion parade, but responded quickly to the situation, driving to the aid of the convoy in a small armored car known as a dingo. Normally, such a vehicle would be equipped with a turret, but in this case, the turret had been removed for repairs. Churchill radioed for two heavy cannon-armed armored cars, known as staghounds, which would take some time to reach the convoy's position. Churchill uh, drove to the convoy covered by a small escort of an open-topped Bren gun carrier and a small armored police car. He left his vehicle, swinging his walking stick as he strolled down the road, unprotected and completely out in the open, in full parade dress. Kilt, Glengarry bonnet, red and white diced stockings, Sam Brown belt, and white spats. Where is he Uh, finding
1: the time to put this
0: all on in a war zone? He's just like... Well, I mean, he was why they were having a parade. I'm so confused. Uh, the entire time, he was smiling like a lunatic on the rounds that people are less likely to shoot you if you smile at them. Okay, interesting stra- It's It's the least dumb
1: strategy he's tried. Smiling is the least stupid thing.
0: Yeah, that is the least weird part about this.
1: He's already tried, like, let's lash six trucks together like Santa's fucking reindeer and rescue it off. Like, you know, this is, this yeah, is the least and, like, dumb thing. There's literally a
0: quote from him about how, like, the-, the Arabic forces must have found it really funny or at the very least they had a good enough sense of humor not to shoot him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's one way to survive um, the war.
0: Be amusing. Just be too funny to die. <laughs> That's
1: how I've That's made it this thread. far. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That, that's been my entire social strategy to begin with. Just be just funny enough that people include you in their post-apocalypse plans. <laughs>
1: it's how I avoided being left at a fire station all through childhood.
0: When you're annoying <laughs> as me, you just have to outweigh the detriment of keeping you around. The benefits
1: have to outweigh the child abandonment. It's, it's tough. Mm.
0: Uh, Churchill walked down the convoy, stopping at each vehicle and offering the use of his armored personnel carrier to evacuate the patients and medical personnel, warning that there, there might be casualties transferring people from the convoy to the personnel carrier. When asked if he would drive off the attackers first, Churchill responded that he could not, as he only had twelve men against hundreds. Churchill extended the offer of evacuation to every vehicle and was refused by each in turn. Oh. One doctor saying, Thank you very much, but we do not want your help. The the Hagenah or the Haganah, Das will save us. Uh, the Haganah being the Jewish defense force.
1: I was gonna say, I don't think Hagendaws is coming to save you. like you're just in the Israel desert and this pint of ice cream bursts through the crowd. <laughs> it's not helping anybody. It's like four, thousand degrees. It's not Ben and Jerry will save me. <laughs> I mean, it has, but but I don't live mm-hmm. in a war zone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a very different toolkit for a very different kind of emergency.
1: I'm going to pick a lunatic in an armored car before I will choose ice cream.
0: Mm, just, just, just a pint of briars to keep me through the, the cold nights of war. <laughs> uh, at this point, one of Churchill's men had been seriously wounded, and so he ordered them to retreat to safety. Churchill continued to support the convoy with small arms fire from a distance, but the Haganah did not come to its rescue. Oh. The convoy was destroyed by rifle fire and gasoline bombs, ultimately killing 77 of its Jewish passengers. Hmm. Churchill was nonetheless key in a later evacuation of 700 Jews from the Mount, Scorp- uh, the Mount Scopus campus of the Hebrew University and the Hadassah Hospital there, including patients, students, and staff. Yeah, it's pretty solid. Pretty solid record. Job well done. Not bad for a war I am literally terrified to talk about in public. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> um, uh, as he was getting older, Churchill became an instructor at the Australian Land Air Warfare School, where he would likewise pick up a fascination with surfing. He became the first to surf the English Severn River's five-foot tidal bore, which he did on an Australian-style board he built himself.
1: It sounds like you are constructing this man's biography by throwing darts at a board full of stupid hobbies.
0: (laughs) Just the most dangerous things you can do in your spare time. And then
1: he took up. flack. skateboarding. And this man
0: had a clinical addiction to adrenaline. (laughs) If he'd been alive today, he'd be base jumping as we speak. Like, I can just. how.
1: There's no way retirement was easy for this guy. Like, I could just picture him, like, 80 years old. Like, let's strap some skis to the old lazy boy and head down the mountain. Like,
0: At last, he retired from the army in in 1959, transitioning into a civilian job with the Ministry of Defense, training young cadets in London. On his train ride home, Churchill had a habit of standing up, opening a window, and hurling his briefcase into the night much to the confusion and distress of the other passengers. (laughs) He would then wait by the doors and disembark at the next station.
1: He played fetch with himself.
0: Yeah, he was in fact chucking the bag into his own back garden to save himself the trouble of carrying it home.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's fun. I like that. That's cute.
0: Yeah, that's actually kind of charming. (laughs) I think he was also doing it to freak people out, to be honest.
1: (laughs) If you throw something out of the New York subway while it's moving, you'll cause a three-hour delay that goes all the way from Bronx to Midtown. But (laughs) that's adorable.
0: Yeah, they were more open. I assume these were open air trains. (laughs) They were above ground.
1: Oh, they are in New York, too. Uh, They're four stories above ground in the Bronx. That's, uh, just that you're gonna kill someone. You've now (laughs) drive by someone with a suitcase. (laughs) You've brought a whole that's new an type of,
0: different kind of violence to the South Bronx. But... <laughs> you're part of the problem, my good sir. You've
1: managed to gentrify street violence. If you do that, but
0: yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a hate crime. <laughs> Just Probably chucking a out suitcase out of a out of a train in the Bronx.
1: Probably that's it's, it's not good statistically. It's not good, but it's... you better a...
0: hope you hit a white person. <laughs>
1: Fuck Jessica. <laughs>
0: It's less problematic. <laughs> <laughs> then it's just assault. <laughs> oh my god.
1: Oh, I I I hope you you probably aren't allowed outside without a child leash at this point. <laughs> I assume you're like whatever you need air, your roommate just tethers you up in the yard because you can't be trusted.
0: No, <laughs> then yeah, we've got a we've got a tree and I just run around it chasing butterflies.
1: Oh dear god. <laughs>
0: Uh, in his increased spare time due to semi-retirement, Churchill took to sailing steam-powered launches along the Thames under the orders of his dear wife Rosamond, and building intricate remote-controlled model warships, as one does. Uh, Churchill surprisingly died peacefully at his home in Surrey, England, what? on the 8th of March 1996 at the age of 89. Holy shit! Yeah. This man lived to be nearly 90 and died of natural causes.
1: No part of this story led me to believe that we would end up with a man dying peacefully in his sleep.
0: I, you know, genuinely, you'd figure he'd die die in a hail of gunfire at 81.
1: Oh, yeah, like, this is a man who takes up bank robbery and extreme snowboarding at the age of 90.
0: I think we're lucky he just didn't discover cocaine.
1: Oh, holy shit.
0: Yeah, that's Jack Churchill. (laughs) He lived
1: four lives (laughs) in one. Simultaneously.
0: He did enough for several
1: people. I I will go through the rest of my life with the creeping knowledge that I will never be as cool as him. (laughs) All my achievements are meaningless because I don't have a bagpipe in hand.
0: You know, I just rarely do. I meet somebody present or past where I'm just like, "Damn, yo!"
1: Yeah, I'm wasting my (laughs) life. Need a shame. because I don't have bagpipes. What is this? This is this is an uncomfortable feeling. I've dedicated
0: twenty eight years of life to being as weird as humanly possible, and this man just effortlessly blows by me, playing the bagpipes and shooting with shooting like a longbow with his spare hand. I just. I
1: hate him a little bit, but I respect him.
0: You know, we stand in the presence of greatness, Janelle.
1: We do. Somebody get this man a medal.
0: Honestly, I reached the end of this man's story, and I cursed the fool I was at six years old for not rushing to his bedside. (laughs) For not being there at his knee to hear those words of wisdom.
1: The things he could have told me.
0: The things I might have learned. Very rarely do I look at a historical figure and I'm like, I wish I had met that man. Oh but no. Now, oh. I just like the fact that our lives overlapped gives it such a bittersweet tinge. If only I could have known him.
1: Yeah, my parents didn't allow transatlantic travel when I was four. So <laughs> you know. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to take you We're
0: too young to appreciate it. I wasn't allowed to I, take my wizened age of six. <laughs> yeah,
1: I couldn't take solo flights across the Atlantic to meet an old war
0: hero. Yeah, no, not so much. Huh. But like, if only they had understood, if only they had known <laughs> <sighs> They should have allowed it, Janelle, they should have allowed it. But yes. I've been Jessica.
1: And I'm a I'm a, I'm Janelle, but What does that matter? I'm not... I am not this man. I am not Churchill.
0: Honestly, let's change it up a a bit this time. Thank you for listening. I am Jack Churchill.
1: And I too am Jack Churchill. We are all Jack Churchill.
0: And we are fat, Fat, French, French, and and fabulous.
1: fabulous, Despite the fact that Jack Churchill was only one of those things.
0: He was very much in fighting shape, English... Fucking fantastic. Oh, goddamn. <laughs> <laughs>